Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What's going on, everybody? Patrick Bear here, and we are back again. It is the month of June 2023. Dear Lord, where has the time gone? This month especially has flown by a happy... Uh, oh, wait, is this coming out? Yes, this will come out before the end of uh, Pride Month. So, happy end of Pride Month, everybody. Um Lots of uh, Supreme Court stuff that should be coming out sometime between when we record this and when this episode comes out. So it could be a very interesting uh, end of the Pride Month. Eight years ago, we got a lovely surprise and, you know, uh, had marriage become official across the land. Who knows what this year might have in store for us. But that is not for us to discuss right now because that is in the future. That is a future us thing to deal with. So in the, in the spirit of living in the moment, I am going to introduce my co-host. We have a couple of uh, our regulars that are either out on travel or working new schedules and uh, not able to record at some of the times that we do. But I am joined by Flame On host Eric. Hello. Hey, girl. Hey. How was it uh, being in Florida without Parliament House Gate Day celebrations this year? Because, I mean, I know it's kind of Florida's weird with the pandemic, but I feel like this is the first year that it kind of felt like the world was back to normal everywhere else, and there was no uh, no Parliament House there to do raucous concerts and all of that. I know, but Orlando's always been a little weird with Pride, since how Gay Days is such a phenomenon that's kind of separate from Pride itself. Mm-hmm. So our Pride is always just in October typically with the coming out, uh, National Coming Out Day. Um, but I heard Gay Days was fine. I mean, uh, Tidal Wave was in Vegas, so that was a little different. Um, yeah, that was uh, was interesting. We'll leave it at that. 
<laughs> I don't. I I don't know if I see it moving back to Orlando. Yeah, I, I know, they said next owners. year it's going to be in uh, Palm Springs. So is it? Yeah. Interesting. Like the, like the third weekend in June. So you know, good weather. And trying to keep it in the hot climates, apparently. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> how can we make this even hotter? For people to walk around not submerged in water. Got it. Interesting. <laughs> well, glad to have you joining us from our, our cast of regular characters. Filling in in the third chair is a voice that you may have heard in some of our previous episodes. He's a longtime listener, longtime friend of the show, and a, uh, a sometimes contributor to our episodes. We've got Joel joining us today. What's going on, Joel? Hey, Pat. Do I get a friend of the pod necklace now? Like, uh, Race Chaser, can I get one of those? Just like a little gold <laughs> chain with that? <laughs> sure. It, uh, you just go to uh, mybestjudy.merch <laughs> and order it there. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I'll get it for myself so I can wear it next time. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> I'll send you. Uh, I'll send you string and a uh, a hook, okay. and you can fasten your your flame on in, into a necklace. <laughs> sounds like a plan. That sounds good. I'll there do. I go. can do that. That sounds good. <laughs> uh, well, I do appreciate you um, kind of hopping onto this uh, with short notice. We were putting together. It, everything's been a little crazy for all of us across the the podcast with schedules and travel and just things going on. And uh, we were putting together a, a recording for this episode. And both, uh, I think Brian said he was traveling and then uh, BJ with his new uh, job and schedule during the week recordings are a little bit tougher right now for him. Yeah. So as everything starts to settle down, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, We'll get back to our regular weekend recordings and uh, you'll be hearing from all of us. So thank you both for joining me. Let's dive into some chatter about pop culture. Um, I first thing, and this is a random one. And I don't know if it, if it impacts you all the same way that it impacts me, but it might impact some of our listeners. Um, and this is before we dive into our topics. Stitcher <laughs> is not going to be an app and website come the end of, I believe, August. I think it's at August 29th. They huh. are shutting down their services. So it's going to be one less podcast app that you can listen to us here at Flame On. Uh, but Stitcher is the app that I go to for all of my podcast listening. There have been some issues recently. Yeah. But it still was, for me, just the easiest app to use for podcast listening because that's primarily the the focus of the app yeah and and to hear that it's going to be going away is is uh is a bit sad for me so uh do either of you use uh stitcher to listen to the flame on podcast eric's like i don't listen to the flame on podcast (laughs) (laughs) um i don't use stitcher um i use uh apple podcasts because it comes preloaded on my phone i don't have to use anything else for that gotcha so I use Overcast at, uh, um, on mine. That's what I listen to everything through. So I was not aware about Stitcher going away. 
Uh, I mostly use it because the Apple podcast app on my phone crapped out one time and I was like, well, we're done with this going away. <laughs> but yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Did they say why at all that they're shutting down or just bye? <laughs> I mean, it pretty much that they just uh, don't see, uh, you know, don't want to continue running it. Uh, it's going to fold into the parent company, which I didn't realize is Pandora. So I oh. guess if you use Pandora, you'll have, you know, podcasts, the, the podcast oh. listening ability through there. Uh, I am a, I'm a YouTube music person. <laughs> I know that a lot of people shit on it when it came out originally. Uh, I like YouTube music. I, I, I don't get the hate. It's, it works well for me. I put my podcast together and if I put the music podcast uh, playlist together, I can also access that through the YouTube app on my TV. So I can actually put music together on my phone, play the podcast or play the playlist. Keep saying podcast. I can play the playlist on my television or, you know, so it, it gives me some, some more versatility that way. They are trying to now really leverage podcasts on the platform through YouTube music. It is not the T right now. So <laughs> I was looking up some of the podcasts. Like I looked up Race Chaser. Race Chaser, Sibling Rivalry, um, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Like Those are three that I listen to more often. Yeah. And in looking up Race Chaser, it, it did not have a lot of the episodes. It was very odd. It, it was a very funky kind of setup. Yeah, they will probably work on it and make it better, but for right now, it's not. It's not going to work for me. So, um, I may have been added onto a family plan on Spotify, <laughs> and I may be trying that out as my podcast listening app. So, yeah, it, it's just it was a, it was quite a shock because, like I said, I've there have been some issues in Stitcher for me. And anybody out there listening to us on Stitcher, maybe you relate to what I'm about to say. But there are times where the episodes would skip forward or skip back without actually like skipping. So if it's an hour worth of recorded material, it may yeah. skip back 30 seconds, a minute, and then it cuts off that minute at the end. Because it's it, it, yeah. it still is only that hour that was mm -hmm. uploaded. Or it'll skip forward 30 seconds or a minute, and then that last 30 seconds or a minute is blank. So I was like, this is really odd. Yeah. And it was frustrating, but it doesn't happen every single episode. It doesn't happen multiple times, but it's still enough for me to notice it when it happens. And I was like, oh, this is weird. And then it's like, oh. It's not going to matter because in another you know two months the app is going to cease to operate. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens, and uh, we'll see if the Spotify journey is uh, is is good for me. If uh, if any of our listeners out there are in the same boat as I am, and uh, we're shocked by the news of Stitcher shutting down uh, in the not too distant future. Let me know. Let us know what you are going to be switching to. Maybe there's some other suggestions. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever used Overcast before. I think I've heard of it. Uh, and I, I'm not an Apple person, so the Apple Podcasts uh, app is not really conducive to... I'm, I'm sure I could download it. I'm sure there's an Android version of it because 
Apple will be like, here, come get a taste and then come on over to the dark side. (laughs) But I don't I don't often use it. So let me know. Let us know uh, what you guys are are using to listen to us. And uh, yeah, see, let me know if you if you two are going to have to migrate your playlist. You can actually the one thing in the email does say is you can export your uh, like your your show list. So that way you can migrate to another platform and not lose all of that. So that's kind of cool. At least you have that option. Google Play Music did that um, with the launch (laughs) of when it switched to YouTube Music. So I'm not unfamiliar with having to uh, download my (laughs) shit and move it to someplace else. (laughs) But that was just something, a a little something that I thought was interesting and I thought was, uh, you know, relevant to a podcast as we're talking about what's going on in the world today. So with that being said, Let's go ahead and uh, dive in. We're going to have our guests go first. Um, I don't think this is one that Eric and I will have a lot to chime in about because we haven't seen it yet. But, and we, and I'm usually the one that's like, fuck saying it's, you know, spoilers, warning, whatever. I will say this. If you have not seen this upcoming movie, there will be spoilers. Eric and I don't care about being spoiled. I've, I've seen a bunch of stuff that's talked about cameos yeah. and the plot <laughs> of the movie. So, Joel, why don't you tell us what your topic is? Uh, so, I am going to talk about The Flash. The Flash is a Flash. 2020... Yeah. Oh, wrong Flash, sorry. <laughs> yes, the, wrong the, Flash. The TV show? Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, no, not the one that just ended, you know. <laughs> No, I will not be having a hate watch rant uh, a la Pat about oh. Gotham. <laughs> oh. I'm like a season behind on uh, the Flash TV show. Maybe two seasons. Uh, I-, I fell off on like season four when they started having um, Killer Frost have like her whole problem. I was like, I'm out. Cool, guys, we're done. Uh, yeah. But uh, I was talking about the movie version that recently came out uh, that you know, had a ton of controversy, not only about the film, but it's a star who is just, well, if you've been online, you've seen all of the controversy around them. But yeah, uh, so The Flash is a 2023 American superhero film based on the DC character of the same name, produced by Warner Brothers Pictures, DC Studios, Double Dream and the Disco Factory, and distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures. It is the 13th installment in the DC Extended Universe, and the film is directed by Andy Muschietti from a screenplay by Christina Hodson and stars Ezra Miller as Barry Allen The Flash, alongside Sasha Kale, Michael Shannon, Ron Livingston, Maribel Verdu, Kirsty Clemens, Andre Trau, and Michael Keaton. In the film, Barry travels back in time to prevent his mother's death, which brings unintended consequences. Um, where to start? <laughs> this film's a mess. Uh, that's just plain and simple. Uh, it is it is full of strange and odd choices because, you know, and there's this goes through the films like production history goes through the final product that we see on screen. Even with the actor who plays the main character, uh, there's just a lot of strange choices. Um, you know, obviously this film has been announced since 2016. It was announced like right after Batman v Superman when they were ramping up to the Justice League. They were like, hey, we're going to do a Flash movie, a Cyborg movie. Um, and you saw which ones actually came out from that list. Um, eventually they like 
decided, oh, well, we'll push it back. We're not going to just do a Flash movie. We're going to do Flashpoint. <laughs> For some reason. And that is the basis of this film. And it's what they're riffing on. Um, it has the most basic bones of that story and then nothing else. Um, and in this film, so obviously... I'm, I'm struggling where to start and all the problems this film has. But like one of the major things is... Uh, they decided at some point that having two Ezra Millers on screen was a great idea. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you it. It's not like the double mint twins. Not it's not even. Pleasure, no, not at all. Not at all. It's not even a Lindsay Lohan and the parent trap. Uh, it's bad. It's large swaths of this movie are just those two characters interacting. And they're both a level of annoying that like you can tolerate at first, but as it goes on, you're just like, I need someone else to break this up. Um, also what's really distracting is they didn't just shoot Ezra Miller twice and then composite the shots together. They had another actor playing the other Barry and composited Ezra Miller's face over him. <laughs> and so there are right. scenes where Barry's face is just off and odd in like this movie is riddled with bad CGI as well. Um, from intentional Joel. Okay. Oh, yeah. I've seen that whole claim. And yes, I can understand where someone could make that argument. But if your choice was to have bad CGI, you started in a bad place. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just, it's, again, like, the choice to have two berries. Um, So in the film, you know, obviously, following kind of that flashpoint idea, Barry changes the past and it causes ripples that change the whole world. Um, And in this you know, we have Michael Keaton now showing up as Batman. We have this new Kryptonian that they call Supergirl, even though she's supposed to be the parallel to Superman. I'm like, why isn't she called Superwoman then? Why do you keep calling her Superwoman? <laughs> I understand from an IP perspective why you do, but it's still just like, guys, you keep telling her about Superman and then you call her Supergirl. It's like kind of weird. Uh, but it's even with those things, like I, I was mostly excited to see Michael Keaton. And even in the film, Everything they showed in the trailers are the best part. <laughs> Nothing else is more in the film that like is going to surprise you. And the way they treat those two characters at the end of the film makes it feel like it was pointless for them to be there because it's one of those things where an alternate reality gets wiped away at the end of the movie and we're just supposed to walk away from that and be like, it's cool. Don't worry about the characters you spend an hour with. They're gone. Yeah. Ooh. Yes, it's, <laughs> no, it's one of those... Not multiverse, just erased. Yeah, just erased. And that's a whole other thing, because this film keeps getting lumped in with multiverse things. It's really not. That comes in in a two-minute sequence at the the end of the movie. Um, Pretty much throughout the entire movie, it's just this alternate universe, just kind of like the Flashpoint storyline. It's Barry trying to understand what's going on and navigate this new world. Um. And then at the end of the movie, the big climax of it, where the big antagonist is finally revealed, um, essentially through the course of events of the film, they end up at a space where they're fighting General Zod, who has come to Earth. And obviously there are no heroes because Barry going back in time wiped them all out. Uh, Aquaman is never born. Diana never leaves the island and we never see her. Clark doesn't make it to Earth, but Kara does instead. And then uh, by fucking with time, he caused ripples, not only in the future, but in the past. So Batman is now older. So it's just Batman, Supergirl. Is it and still then... Bruce? Yes. Okay. It is still Bruce. Yes. They don't do Thomas Wade either, which I'm like, that would have been the lo- more logical thing to do. And also, it's not even 
despite Michael Keaton playing the character, despite it having the same suit, despite them using the same uh, score for the character, it is not the Bruce that we know from those movies either, really. <laughs> like, they never make reference. It's like a weird, when we meet him, he's like disheveled in like a, like, recluse and has like a full beard and hair <laughs> in a bad wig. <laughs> yeah, oh. it's, it, again, oh. choices. When I tell you this movie is full of them. But yeah, it just essentially, like, in the climax of this movie, spoilers, again, we already warned you guys, uh, they get to a point where they're fighting Zod and it becomes an unwinnable situation. And the younger Barry, now knowing that he can travel back in time, begins doing that over and over to try and change it. And every time Supergirl dies, Batman dies. And it gets to a point where this Barry keeps going back in time that he does it hundreds of times and ends up becoming a evil dark flash. And this literally happens in a five minute scene. He appears is like explaining to Barry why he's a villain and then immediately is taken off the board too. <laughs> Again. Yes, and Yes. And then this movie ends uh, and the way it ends, if you want me to spoil, it's on a joke. Uh, so after he wins, after Barry has done all this, the big final moment uh, is Bruce is coming to see him after he's, because Barry goes back, fixes it so his mom dies again, but changes one minor thing so that his father is able to get in jail out of jail in the present. And this causes another change because Bruce pulls up and who gets out of the car but George Clooney. <laughs> yeah. And that's how the movie ends is on this joke. Uh, and that's kind of, it's just... Again, like Wait, I said, so they don't even take him. They don't even take him back to like. No, no suit. Just, just regular. They weren't going to put George Clooney in a suit again. <laughs> Bring back CGI the nipples. At all Free there. the nipple. Uh, apparently, <laughs> free the so, bat nipple. <laughs> and because, from what I understand, that's actually not the first ending they shot. There were three endings they shot. That was oh. the third they shot in January, <laughs> and they wow. put that one in. Uh, yeah, because apparently there was an original ending where Michael Keaton and Supergirl show up at the end of the movie, and that's kind of the reuniting of those three characters. Um, there was another where Wonder Woman and Superman show up, with Henry Cavill playing Superman, but obviously with all the DCEU shuffle, that got thrown out the window. Uh, and then this one with George Clooney was the one they went with for some reason. And it's just, okay. Uh, yeah, no, this film's a real mess. And uh, that's not even touching on the, like, multiverse sequence, which, like, has been spoiled online multiple times. But in that sequence where Dark Flash and Barry are facing off, we see worlds colliding. Um, and in one, it's the Steve Reeves black and white Superman in a bad CGI brought to life one. Then we see another one where it's Christopher Reeve and uh, who is the actress that plays Supergirl? <laughs> I'm blanking on it right now. Uh but the actress who played Supergirl in the movie, them, them badly CGI'd to life. And then there's one final one that is uh, Nick Cage as Superman from the Superman Lives movie that never happened. And that's the three multiverse things we see. It is literally in this final moment and then it goes away. It means nothing. We just got to see badly resurrected people <laughs> in CGI. Uh, so yeah, this film is a mess. Uh, I it, When I originally saw the movie, I walked out of it and was like, that was fine. It was a perfectly acceptable movie. Um, the more I think about it, the more frustrated I get, the more kind of just like, I'm like, why did they make this movie? Um, also thinking of where it's at in the films that they've made. They made it a Flashpoint movie. This easily could have been their bridge to the new 
thing that they're doing. They could have figured out a way to make it much like the Flashpoint comic was the bridge to the new 52 for better or worse as that was. <laughs> this should have been the bridge, I think, to their new world that they're building with the James Gunn, you know, we just got Superman announced as the casting as we're recording this like yesterday. Uh, so like this could have been the bridge, but they just it didn't. And they chose to do this thing that is supposed to be a air quotes, a love letter to DC films across the way. And I'm like, if that's the case, y'all did a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard a lot of, really good things online about yeah. oh it's so much fun it's so this and i'm like first off the dc movies have not <laughs> have not for them for the majority of them have not tickled my fancy yeah uh they are they're movies they are um they they have a start finish and end yeah. even if it's just in the fact that the movie starts and then ends yes a couple of hours later uh, some of them have been really good, or two thirds good. In the case of like Wonder Woman, the first Act Three falls uh, apart, you know. And yeah, Act One, Act Two, much better than Act Three. But and even then, there was some there, there's some things where it's like, okay, interesting. But you suspend your disbelief, you know. You you, yeah. you give it a wide berth. These are comic book movies. These are there is an air of fantastical that has to go with it because that is the nature of the beast yeah when we read comic books we don't sit there and go this could never happen if this man were to shoot lasers out of his eyes his head would explode you know but but we but we love it Uh, one of my favorite characters touches people and absorbs their their life essence and their powers (laughs) I, i get it i get having that that suspension of disbelief but i think for me I may watch this movie. There are still a handful of DC movies that I haven't seen. I haven't seen the Shazams. I haven't seen the Aquamans. Um, the first one, was first one okay. I know. Is, I yeah, Jason Momoa's Aquaman doesn't really do it for me. Mm. Um, and then the this next one that's coming out, I'm just kind of like, okay, whatever. I'm I'm willing to at least give Blue Beetle a chance because it feels separate from kind of everything that's been built. It's not tainted by being connected to like Zack Snyder's kind of whole tone and like vision of these characters. So I'm at least willing to give that one a, like a shot. Um, I think this one, it just buckles under the weight of not only having to be the last film in a series of films that's just not great. <laughs> mm. um, and then, you know, pile on the controversy with Ezra Miller, all the allegations, all the crimes, all the arrests, all the assaults, all of that piled on. And then just like, like I said, the bizarre choices within it, and it all just kind of falls apart. Um, yeah. Like I, I just, and you know, th- this movie has been in production, trying to been, or has been in production since like 2016 under multiple directors, under multiple scripts. Um, even at one point, Grant Morrison worked with Ezra Miller to write a version of this film. Like that's, occurred in this whole process so like yeah this is this film has had a rough road to get where it got and it just kind of tumbled at the finish line and we got what we got unfortunately um i will say like if you do want to go back and watch them i do think the shazam movies are okay the second one is noticeably worse than the first one um 
there's very specifically because the movie ends in a cameo and it's like, why is this person in this film? Uh, And and that's kind of how I feel about this whole movie too. There's also a thing that I I really dislike with the version of the flash that they have here is um, it's not Barry Allen. They call him Barry Allen, but it's like they took Wally West impulse and then a bunch of other flash characters, put them in a blender and then slapped Barry's name on it. Um, And they do a thing that I really hate. So, Spoilers at the beginning of the movie. Um, Batman and Wonder Woman are at the beginning of the movie. Uh, and they do the joke where characters are holding the lasso of truth. And of course, they start confessing. You know, they say what they truly feel inside. It's funny at first because it's uh, Ben Affleck's Batman being like, oh, I'm a rich man who puts criminals in prison when I should really be getting them therapy. And it's really funny. Then Barry touches it and he has to make a joke about how he doesn't know what sex is. It's like, come on. Is that the thing we had to go with in this character? <laughs> Did Joss Whedon do the rewrites for this? I, I, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, Did y'all just watch 2017 Justice League and port that character? I don't understand why that's the direction they went. Um, they also really try to make Barry and Iris work in this film, and it doesn't. Uh, mostly because of ezra miller but it's like this weird forced awkward relationship that they're trying to have and it just doesn't work at all it's just again like i said across the board it's a mess of a film does he not not catch a hot dog and like stuff in his pocket (laughs) for later in this movie um nobody puts a baby in a microwave at one point I mean, to save its life, not yes. to cook it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, to save it. Um, because they do the, the... One of the few things I will give it credit for is they make a very specific point that the Flash is super speed. He can't just grab a person and move them because that will jostle their insides and hurt them. So he has to find ways to manipulate the physics of what's around him to move a person into space. So at the beginning of the movie, he is saving a bunch of babies and he has to find ways to move them that doesn't hurt them. And one of the decisions is to put one in a microwave. I know. <laughs> I know. Has, has anybody ever questioned, seriously questioned, how people don't get hurt when Barry moves them? Was that something that was really necessary to have to incorporate in this to then have Pat, a baby in a microwave? Pat. I think you this say this. this a- <laughs> Was you this trying, them trying to throw shade at the way they did it in the X-Men movies? I don't think so. I just think that was like their like, oh, we're so smart moment kind of thing. Because like this is also, it's just, it's the opening sequence of the movie literally where this is occurring. And that's their first time doing it. And they later on have another character move someone with super speed and it makes that person vomit pretty much. Uh, that was just their big way of trying to differentiate it, I guess. It's just, again choices so this is my thing and this ties back to what i was saying before about Mm -hmm. that suspension of disbelief and that fantastical Mm -hmm. nature of it i don't need to know the physics behind how cyclops can shoot concussive blasts out of his eyes because they're not lasers they're concussive blasts (laughs) um i don't need to know this i don't need to know the faux science behind it yeah, trying to make it actual science. And it's kind of that um, magic is science type of thing that 
uh, Marvel does. And, and they try to kind of rewrite these fantastical pieces as there's a science behind it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. But there are some people out there, Pat, I, I've listened to people talk about this on other podcasts, where that is, that's their shit for some reason, that they love that version of comics. I personally don't either. I'm like, the person floats because they can float. I don't need to know why that is the thing. Like, it, it's for some reason, that's just their way into things. And, you know, God bless them. But yeah, again... If we want to boil down one of my thoughts on The Flash, it's just choices. It's the gif of Tatiana saying that. And that's just, that's my thoughts on this film. Uh, I wouldn't recommend watching it unless you're really interested in it. Um, that being said, I do think Michael Keaton as Batman and Sasha Kale as Supergirl are trying to do the best with what they have. But what they have is not very great. Um, <laughs> and then you're just saddled with Ezra Miller the rest of the movie in two different roles. Talking to himself. Sometimes that, that does not that does not sound appealing to me. But Mm-mm. that that's a me thing, and yep. uh, I, I I I'm not oh I'm not always one who's like the controversy around something will automatically preclude me from wanting to see a piece of art, yeah, in whatever capacity it is. Um. But sometimes it does. And for me to not really... I wasn't a huge fan of Ezra Miller's portrayal as The Flash in the other films yeah. that they've been in. So it's it wasn't something that I was jumping like out, the, out of my skin to be like, yes, I need to see this now. Uh, Michael Keaton as Batman, yes. That nostalgia yeah. boost, that little boost of serotonin... Yeah. Okay, cool. But again, that was 89. I'm a little older now. I can barely remember 1989 at this point. Like, it was uh, a great album. It, I mean, <laughs> you're damn right it was. <laughs> yes. And we got Batman Returns out of it with Catwoman. So I'm always happy with that. So, yeah, it just. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. It Barry was like this version of The Flash was never something I was really in love with. And I think having the TV show gone for eight seasons now, we've had so much other media that's also adapted this. You know, there's an animated version of the Flashpoint story. Like there's so many different things that have done this that for this to now do it and do it so poorly, it's just like why did we need this? Like we have other versions of this that we can go to. We have reference points for all this. Cause this is also a movie that wants to explain the multiverse to us. Now that we're how many movies deep of different multiverse things. So yeah, it's just, I think it's, it's a product of being what it is. It's a product of having the star. It has, it's just a mess. <laughs> I yeah. And that was, that was an article that I saw. I didn't, I didn't dive into the article, but it, it kind of points out the fact that, the the big twist, quote unquote twist of the movie, the TV show did and did better. Yeah, because uh, was it Savitar? It was the the character that like the the Barry Allen from the future that is yeah. evil yeah. type of thing. That was a whole. That was I think like season three of the Flash. Yeah, um, season three or season four. One of the one of the two because it the first uh, couple seasons were all speedster. Enemies. Yeah, I think it feels like. <laughs> It was like reverse flash and then 
Zoom. Oh, that might have even been two. Well, Zoom was, was the second season. Zoom was, oh, Zoom was second. Yeah, right, yeah, Zoom, yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever the like weird flash they had that was voiced by Tony Todd. That's what I remember. It, yeah, there, there were, but it was like the, those first couple of seasons, first three or four seasons were all speedster related, yeah. and it was Eobar Thawne, it was it was Zoom, it was uh, Savitar, it was all of these things. But we had yeah. the Savitar storyline, and they did it well. And you yeah. also had an entire season of television to <laughs> flesh out that that piece. And I didn't even realize that it was such a short portion of this movie, which is already yeah. filled with all this other stuff. Yeah. Uh, but then and then you said like the Flashpoint. I, that, I've actually seen the Flashpoint animated movie and it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The DC animated movies are much better than any of the live action <laughs> movies that they've put out. Yeah. And so, yeah, when you when you look at the components of what made up this movie you can find better versions of it out there. So I, I, without having seen it, I can already kind of, I can already understand your point to that because I've seen those other pieces and they were good. So (laughs) without it exceeding those expectations, it's going to fall short no matter what, no matter what's going on. So, well, I'm scared to ask this, but I'm also very intrigued to find out what the answer is. Flame ratings wise, out of five flames, what would you give the Flash parentheses 2023? So I thought about this. Whenever you asked me to come on and I said this was going to be my topic, I've thought about this really long and hard. Because the temptation (laughs) is to give it zero and just call it a day. (laughs) But I'm going to give it one flame, and that's going to be for Michael Keaton and Sasha Kale, because despite being stuck with what they're stuck with, I think they do well with it. Uh, it just really sucks that those that those actors and those characters got stuck in this movie. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a very honest review from Joel about the Flash. Um, is Blue Beetle part of the the outgoing DC universe? I thought that is Su- Superman Legacy is the first of the new. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue Beetle Blue is Beetle. the first character of the yeah. new DCEU. Oh, okay, okay. So, all right. I mean, I'm I'm down to give it a shot and see what the new the new vision is. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, it'll be a more cohesive story. Um, hopefully it'll it'll be less about uh, let's rush to try to match Marvel. And I mean, James Gunn coming in and, and being co-head of this division of, of films and, and projects because he's overseeing the TV. He's essentially becoming the Kevin Feige of yeah. DC products for, you know, for for um, Warner Brothers Discovery. So, hey, yeah. I, I I'm hoping that it's going to be. A better product overall. I'm yeah. not a big DC person, but they, you know, there, there's some things that could definitely uh, make it worthwhile. So, yeah. uh, watch at your own discretion. Mm-hmm. I was going to say risk, but I mean, do what you want to do. Yes. Let us know if you share some of Joel's opinions. <laughs> if you strongly oppose them, let us know. We want to hear what you have to say, and uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll let you know if I ever get around to watching the Flash. <laughs> when it comes on Max, maybe, maybe, um, maybe. Uh, but there also might be another season of Survivor for you to watch instead. <laughs> I'm, 
This is true. <laughs> this is true. They got to put it out before the new the next season pops up, and then yes. then we'll see what happens. Exactly. And Big Brother should be coming out soon too, right? Summer. Right? Oh, that's a youth. That's yes. a youth thing. I can't. I can't. I cannot. I can't. There's too many seasons. That shit lasts like four months, Eric. I can't. Come too on. many seasons. You binge like thirty seasons of Survivor in a year, Pat. Yeah, but, but, but listen, you if you're gonna try to, if you're gonna try to come for me, it was forty seasons, about forty five days. All right, get my massive depression correct. Anyhow, there are only like thirteen episodes per season. Okay. When you are when you are massively depressed and you don't have a job yes. and nothing else to do because everything is shut down during a global pandemic, this you can get true. through forty seasons in forty five days. And that's being I just I lost track. I, I think it was more like forty two days. But I'm just going to give myself a little bit of a burst there and say there might have been a day where I was like, you know what, I don't need to watch today. Uh, but there's there's thirteen episodes per season, so it's a little bit okay. it's shorter. Big Brother, um, how many? It, it's it literally is like three months, three, though, right? It's the summer. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, it's also it's it airs three days a week for an hour, and that's and that's <laughs> just what's televised. Yeah, because because you, not can even watch, the cams. you can watch all the cameras that are on twenty four <laughs> hours, seven days a week, if you want. You can watch as much Big Brother as you want. Come How on, many Pat, episodes you know are there in a season, Eric? <laughs> the what? It does not. How many episodes are there in a season <laughs> of just the televised, like not even the live, the live feeds and all that? Um, there's what usually sixteen contestants, so probably thirteen weeks times three thirty nine episodes. I think. Oh my god. Okay. I'm trying yeah. to say, like <laughs> if you reasonably uh, I'm trying to see if there's like a thing that tells me because I'm sure like as like the first couple of seasons I'm sure were shorter because as it grew yeah. in popularity that it's and then there's that one season that occurred during was it season nine that occurred during the the writer's strike in uh, seven Jesus and they did like a winter version of it so I'm on the wiki now. The last couple seasons, it's 35, 37, 37, 40, 40, 39. Then as we go back, the first season in 2000 was apparently 70 episodes. Jesus. <laughs> oh, because I think they were doing five nights a week. Oh, just I think like, it was yeah. every single night. Because that was that first season. The first season is the one where they say it's not really, it's not the same show. The, the yeah. Big Brother You Know Now started in season two. Because okay. season one was a essentially a direct port of the Dutch show, which is where the okay. is the original Big Brother. They <laughs> did the same like they did the the same exact thing where it was like live streamed five nights a week mm-hmm. and then the audience voted out contestants once per week. Yeah. Um I listen I watched uh Ethan Animal is the channel that I uh, has like a history of Big Brother. Yeah. So it came in handy <laughs> for a trivia night where they were like, "Where did the, where did Big Brother originate?" And I was like, "It was a Dutch show. I know this." <laughs> um, but that's so. Listen. So it, thirty. Even if you say thirty-five episodes, that's thirty-five hours per season just on the televised shows. 
I can't do that, Joel. Okay, I can't. Eric, that is not. I even I have limits, and I can't do that. I binged all forty seasons of Survivor in in just over forty. Oh, just over 40 days and then went back and I think binge 25 seasons of the challenge oh in about a month. <laughs> and the only reason I couldn't do all 35 is because essentially there are 10 seasons at the beginning yeah. that are not available to stream because those are like the real world. Like pirate. Well, there's the first couple seasons were like the real world road rules challenge. Yeah. And then like after like season 10, it started to kind of take on a little bit different. Per- like it, it, it changed the formatting a little bit. Or I'm sorry, after season four, it changed the format. But then I, like the first 10 seasons are, are less like the show that we know now. But they're not on like Netflix. They're not on Paramount Plus. They're not, they're not easily streamable. So yeah, I watched what I could watch, which was about 25 seasons of the challenge. Um, cause at that point they were just, they were, I did that and I was, and I, I started watching 35 while it was airing. I caught it. I started in like the middle of that season and oh, I've just been, so you know, Joel, we can hear you typing. Oh, sorry. Apologies. <laughs> Apologies. He's, he's the just... DJ of, uh, of this episode. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just trying to look something up. I'm just trying to be sure. So I was like, wait, I'm like, no. Okay. Apologies. <laughs> oh no, that's fine. Your mic, your mic is very hot, just like you. Yeah, no, literally, just like me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like as I'm sweating my ass off here. Yes, in Texas. Yeah. I mean, Texas, you're burning alive. Um, in Chicago, uh, Canada's burning alive, so we can't breathe <laughs> outside. So yeah. we're getting the New York treatment. Our air, uh, we had the worst air quality in the world uh, on yesterday. You're number yeah. one. You're, You're number, number one. one. <laughs> yes. All right, let's move on to our next topic. Eric, I'm going to throw it over to you. What you talking about today? I'm actually playing a new video game. Yay! <laughs> it's not just Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's not Final Tears Fantasy XVI. So whatever. Ugh. What? It's not, and it's and it's not Tears of the Kingdom. So whatever. <laughs> No, it's a different RPG. It's Final Fantasy 16. I decided to buy myself a PlayStation 5 so I can play a new video game. Yay! Yay. I'm glad that it it came out when PS5s were easily uh, (laughs) findable. Oh, no matter when it came out, I would have found a PS5. Nice, nice. Believe you me. (laughs) Eric said, I will find you and I will buy you and bring you home with me. Uh, but Final Fantasy 16 is a 2023 action role-playing game developed and published by Square Enix, the 16th main installment of the Final Fantasy series. Um, it's set in the fictional world of Valistia, a world divided between six nations who hold power through access to magical crystals and dominance, who are like mm-hmm. uh, different uh, elemental kaijus. Um, and... Clive Rossfield is the main character. What you don't like the name Clive? I just you built, a, you built a fantasy world. And you were like, "What's our main character's name?" Clive. <laughs> and guess what the 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 main female name is? Jill. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, at least they didn't make the, the male character Jack, I guess. Like, that's thank goodness for small favors. Bet it was, though, Pat. And they were like, mm, too obvious. <laughs> we're going to get roasted in the comments for this. Let's change it. What can we change it to? I got Clive. it. Live. Yeah. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Because a lot of people have been like, Clive, really? And there's a point in the game where... Um, Clive has an alias, and when he reveals his real name, the person's like, well, I guess it could have been worse. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I don't mind it. It's grown on me. Um, but he's the main character, and the game spans uh, three decades of his life um, from him starting as a teenager mm-hmm. and then in his mid-20s and mid-30s. Um, huh. And the first two hours was released as a demo a week before the game came out, and um, it sees you go through his training. He is the guardian to his brother Joshua, who is the icon of fire. And at the end of that demo, you get to see uh, Joshua brutally murdered, and it's fantastic. Oh. And then, um, and that's the first two hours of the game, and that's what was released before the game came out. And so, uh, and from there, it's just adventure, and Clive is off for revenge, and it's fan freaking tastic. Um, there's been some argument online about this isn't a Final Fantasy because it moved away from the turn based combat into more of an action based, but it has all the feels and trappings of a major final fantasy game it's got chocobos it's got moogles it's got summons it's got crystals it's got magic it's all there um it's gotten great metacritic and player reviews um there have been some people trying to review bomb it when it first came out there was a little bit of a boycott because there are no black people in it and before the game was released, Square Enix's official statement was, well, this was, uh, we based this on medieval Europe. And people were like, eh, that doesn't really let you off the hook. But then when you play this game and you realize there's a whole caste system to this uh, community and population where people are treated as slaves and lessers, if there had been black people in that, it would not have been a good look. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. 
Okay. 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 So, because it makes me, just the way it is right now, I'm uncomfortable playing in some scenes. And if there were also, if those slaves were then also black, it would have been a little over the top. It would have been charged in a very specific way. Um, Yes. But still... They put themselves in that situation by making oh, it that. Sure. And it's like, you could have found another way to phrase that. And then, I don't know, still included some people of color. Just because you wanted to do Game of Thrones Final Fantasy doesn't mean you only have white people in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, understandable. Yes. Um, but I don't think it's enough to fault the game or like review yeah. bomb it. It doesn't... It, doesn't take anything away from the story they're telling. Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't mean you can't have more color in it always. Um, But um, Joel, have you played it? Uh, I have not yet. I don't have a PS5 yet. First off, but um, are uh, you a final fantasy player? I'm an RPG fan and I like final fantasy. I've never beaten a main series game though i've always started them and then fell off somehow the only final fantasy game i've ever beaten is world of final fantasy which (laughs) is just their pokemon (laughs) game that they had (laughs) pokemon with final fantasy summons um but i 16 has left me kind of cold because i was not crazy about like the way the story they're they were choosing to tell it just it never really hooked me in i do think the stuff with like the um dominance and like the way that all works and like the huge kaiju battles that they have shown off look really awesome i've just not been really interested um the plan though is once we get a ps5 that my husband will more than likely want to play this game and we will get it and i will probably sit and watch him go through all of it and be really confused to be like well who's this character when are they dying okay here they are cool they're dead (laughs) but yeah I i am curious eric like so you mentioned the combat and kind of that obviously it's not a turn-based one like old-school Final Fantasy games are. Um, what have you thought of the like g- gameplay mechanics, like the play style that in the game since you've played it? Um, it's similar. F- from what I've heard, I've never played this series, but people um, will kind of compare it to Devil May Cry in some ways. Yeah. Uh, people also... We'll compare it a little bit to Kingdom Hearts. That's closer to what I have um, experience with. Um, I know that I'm not typically an action game player as Mm -hmm. much. So what they did is instead of creating different difficulty levels for the full game, they give you optional items you can equip to help kind of, quote unquote, dumb down the action part of it so if you want to just spam one button to do all the fun combos and play it that way you can and just experience the story uh more so than kind of having to be crazy action player and run yourself ragged learning all the different combos for the moves yeah Um, and so that's the way i'm playing it i don't feel I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything by playing it that way. Um, I know there's good replayability from what I've heard to the game where I could go back and I could challenge myself more. Yeah. Um, but and but I like it the way it is and the way I'm That's playing cool. it. 
Uh, and it's and got torkel. It's got a dog you get to run around <laughs> the whole time with, and you can pet the dog. Yep. And you get an achievement for petting the dog a certain number of times. And How quickly did you get that achievement? <laughs> Pretty quick. <Yeah. laughs> okay, very good, very good. Yeah, I saw someone post online with the trophy, and we're like, why has only 4% of players gotten this trophy? You should all be getting this trophy. <laughs> there are psychopaths out there that don't want to pet the dog. Mm-hmm. And I don't trust them at all. He's the best I, boy. Listen, in Tears of the Kingdom, I can't pet the dog, but I will tell you this. Every stable that I have gone to, I think I've gone to all the stables on the, the surface map. I have made sure that I kneel down and I bond with the dog. I get that little <laughs> I get that little pink <laughs> love cloud happen because I am I am making friends with all of the dogs in all of Hyrule. As you but should, now, Eric. The biggest question that I have for this game. Now you know me. I'm not. I'm. I don't play. I don't play the game. I don't. I yes. don't. I don't know. I don't. Has the "I Want to Ride a Chocobo" song made a return in this in this game? <laughs> or is it? Other, I was. I want to be a chocobo. Now I'm forgetting which. You, you were right uh, the first time. Uh, yeah. to ride I want to ride a chocobo. 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 I want to ride a chocobo. I. I have gotten the ability to ride a chocobo however i don't actively ride it because i like <laughs> running around the maps the limited maps that they have um it's not fully open world it's like open area and so yeah. it's it doesn't take that long to run across the open area so i don't mm-hmm. feel like it's worth it most of the time to pull out the chocobo um so i don't even remember what the music is when the chocobo is out um <laughs> But Ambrosia is pretty awesome. She's an awesome chocobo. <laughs> um, I was I was wondering where this conversation took a turn when you were talking about riding the chocobo and pulling out the chocobo, and I was like, because mm. <laughs> you kind of right. are whistles for the chocobo instead of pulling it out of your pocket. Because <laughs> like, where else would your chocobo be? <laughs> I hate I hate when I pull my chocobo out of my pants and nobody wants to ride it. <laughs> such pain, such pain. Uh, uh, that's and, what Final Fantasy Grinder is like, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. How big is your chocobo? chocobo. <laughs> you know, was was that song? Was that song in fifteen? It was fifteen. I feel like was, that's where it was. Okay. It was Prompto. So, yes, it was the skinny little blonde twig that would sing it. Yes, <laughs> I would ride a chocobo, chocobo, chocobo. Uh, yeah, because I got that for Brian for Christmas the year it came out with, I think, a. With the PS4 Pro, yeah. and uh, or something, something along those lines. Yeah, I think I think that's what it was. And then I think it came out around with the the Pro, and I got him all that yeah. for for Christmas. And that is the aside from the fact that it's like a J-pop band running around <laughs> in a Final Fantasy world. The only other thing I remember from that game is the Chocobo song. So I never played 15. It just nothing about it spoke to me, and so Same. I just. I was like, I don't want to play as an emo boy band pushing a car around. That doesn't speak to me. That doesn't. We bought that massive collector's edition for 15 <laughs> that came with like the Play Arts Kai of Noctis that had the anime prequel that they did that had the movie prequel that had all that bundled together. And it was drama getting that uh, for my husband. And I just remember when he got that playing it, I was like, I'll try it. I played an hour. I was like, 
I'm good. I'll watch you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I'm not an RPG person, so the Final Fantasy games have never really spoken to me. I've had friends that have loved uh, like seven. Um, I, I know that there is a, a massive fan base for it. It's not for me. Yeah. Uh, Kingdom Hearts is barely one that I enjoy as a <laughs> as a, an RPG ish. Um, because it is, you know, it's, it's less turn-based, uh, oh, what was the one? There's one, there was one RPG that I actually really There's one coming out for the Switch that I would almost think about buying a Switch to get, which is they're doing a remaster to, uh, Super Mario RPG. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Um, have you ever played Wild Arms 2? I played the first Wild Arms, and I loved the first Wild Arms. I didn't play any of the sequels, though. I I think I I think I went back and played Wild Arms and it's it's a lot different than Wild Arms Two. Um, yeah. I, I think because Wild Arms Two is a little less, it's probably a little more in the vein of Kingdom Hearts before Kingdom Hearts yeah. was a thing. Um, but I really enjoyed that. Was like the first time I played an RPG that I was like like this. And uh, yeah, I don't think I ever finished the game, but Wild Arms Two was uh, was a good one for me. But anywho. Uh, Final Fantasy 16. I who, who is the daddy in there? Because I keep seeing these like screenshots and like Sid. Sid is the is daddy. Sid? Okay. Yes. Matt, uh, Madeline Hatter on Twitter was like, "Sid could do whatever he wants to me." <laughs> I was like, "All right, good for you, Maddie." Um, I mean, there's points in the story where Clive and Sid are on screen, and I'm like, "They could take me to Paris. I'd be fine." <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to be a sugar baby. It's okay. That's when that's when Eric is pulling the the chocobo out of his pants. Going, All right, let's do this. Uh, no, but the voice actor for uh, Clive uh, Ben Starr, he said he made the mistake of one day reading through some of the fan fiction that's out, and <laughs> mistakes <laughs> mistakes were mistakes made. Were made. <laughs> <laughs> I mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So so, um, I assume that you are not done with the game yet. No, I'm about uh, I think seventy percent through the main story. Um, I've played about thirty five hours so far. Okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah. It's not nice. I'm, I'm like 400 hours into Tears of the Kingdom, and I'm only like 25 percent of the way through the game. <laughs> yeah, I'm over here. involved. I'm stuck in the depths trying to like get that map made, and I I got I, cl- I got a corner done, and was like yes, and then I zoomed out and was like oh. <laughs> yeah, you 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 know that the the temple or the the the, sh- uh, the shrines line up with the the light roots, right? Yeah, it's still just a bitch okay. finding them because I end up like tumbling really far down. I'm like, it was in front of me, and then I fell thirty feet, and now it's not in front of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you hit, and then you hit where the rivers are, and that's just a wall in the depths, yeah. and you're like, mm, okay, guess I got to find a different way around here. <laughs> yes, I got to find another butthole to jump into. <laughs> I do think the two games that we're talking about though are going to be up against each other for game of the year. And it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top. Yeah. Want to be on top? 
with Shea Coulee. Shea Coulee. No, I think you're, I think you're right. From what I've seen of the rea- the reaction to even just the demo of Final Fantasy 16, yeah. um, I think Tears of the Kingdom will take it. Not even from a like a, a bias standpoint. I think the entire physics uh, piece of the game will edge it out just from from that standpoint. That that's my I, prediction. I, I do think that, and I've heard a lot, read a lot of articles about how crazy that physics engine is that was added into Tears of the Kingdom. I just think because, and obviously this is going to be a little more biased on my side because I haven't played Tears of the Kingdom and I didn't play Breath of the Wild either. But um, I feel like because Final Fantasy is a separate standalone, not that Tears of the Kingdom isn't a separate story, but... When it was originally conceived as to be DLC, and they built it out to be its own game, versus a completely standalone game from Inception, I don't know. I don't know what the voters yeah. are going to be looking at the Game of the Year awards, but I think they both have great points to them, and they're both worthy contenders for that award. Hey, and it keeps the transphobic wizard game from getting any of that. So we're all we all win in that regard. <laughs> Very true. Um, I will say though that there are dark skin people in Tears of the Kingdom, so I think that won out uh, Final Fantasy. I mean, just also, to say, we've also, got different races. There are also countless videos of people committing war crimes in Tears of the Kingdom as well. So this is also oh, there's very plenty true. of war crimes in Final Fantasy 16. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> but no I mean, one built a, a laser what, drone. <laughs> what those players are doing to those Koroks is <laughs> it's horrible. I want I literally want uh if Tears of the Kingdom wins game of the year, I just want the still from that to be the giant wooden man with the, the like flamethrower penis. <laughs> like that's that's what I want the still to be like. Here's your game or, of the year, Tears of the Kingdom. Just a fire breathing dick. And female with the gushing vagina. (laughs) Yeah, that too. I mean, (laughs) I'm not picky. Either will work for me. (laughs) So ridiculous. Oh, goodness. So, okay. Uh, I know we don't normally do this for video games, but I know that this is one that is uh, deeply personal to you. If you were to flame rate Final Fantasy 16, what would you give it so far? Oh, it'll be a five out of five for me. Nice. Very good. Very so good. So good. So good. I I I am glad to hear that it is living up to the expectations, especially after uh, fifteen was not a uh, a hit in a lot of Final Fantasy players' hearts and minds. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I mean, fifteen be- is out. Let's go back to fourteen now. The, yeah, because all the mainline entries are so different in what they do as far as story and as mechanics. A lot of people like just three or four of the ones, and they'll not that they don't like others, but yeah, they're just not as much fans of them. No, yeah. Well, there you go. Final Fantasy 16 uh, now out on PS5. Is it on uh, computer also, or is it just a console? Um, it's for an exclusive now? right now. It'll probably be a year, year and a half before it's released for PC. 
Gotcha. All right. Well, if you got a PS5 or you want to go uh, track one down, I, I know when I went to Sam's Club recently, they had a. <laughs> it was so weird finally seeing just like a display where it was like a bunch of cards where you could just go take it up and go buy yourself a PS5. I'm like, wow, we finally got there. It, it took us a little while, but we finally got it to where you could just go out and buy yourself a PS5. So. If you are a big fan of Final Fantasy, check out the demo and uh, and and see if it is for you. Eric highly recommends it. All right, I am going to talk about. I have a very dragtastic um, uh, month in what I'm talking about. Drag um, queen, you. <laughs> not grad queen that was the winner of season one of queen of the universe that's a different thing um, I, we'll get there i i had a i had a both of the things that i wanted to bring up both is my topic and my one up that we'll get to later are both drag related both television related and i was like which which should i do for which because there's there is stuff to talk about, but maybe not necessarily like a ton to talk about. So it was kind of a toss up in my mind of like, okay, what are we gonna do? I decided that my topic would be the Hulu production Drag Me to Dinner. And I think we mentioned this uh, a couple months ago as a one up. Might have been my one up. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly who mentioned it, but uh it is a reality American reality competition television series that premiered on May 31st, 2023 on the American streaming service Hulu. Uh, the show is hosted by New York drag legend Murray Hill and judges or judgers, as they say on the show, include Bianca Del Rio, David Burka, Neil Patrick Harris and Hanifa Wood. Technically, David Burka is not considered a judger because uh, he is involved in the the process. So the judges are really uh, NPH, Hanifa, and uh, Bianca, and Hanifa when she was able to and did not when have she a positive have COVID. COVID test. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> exactly. my god. Exactly. So the format of the show. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll read this little blurb here. In each episode, drag artists from across the across the United States come together to compete for the ultimate title of the glorious Golden Grader. Teams of two queens were given a specific theme and had 90 minutes to host a theme party. Their presentations were judged in three categories: food and drink, design and decor, and entertainment and overall vibe. Technically, six things they just paired up into three categories, but whatever. <laughs> and then. Uh, during the 90-minute sessions, queens were given a set of handy helpers and had to answer a trivia question. The winner of the trivia received some advice from sh uh, chef resident David Burka, while the other team receives messy help from Sue Chef. Who wrote this? Dear Lord. I, I wasn't doing that from memory, and speaking that way, I was reading the wiki entry. Uh, just in case anybody out there is like, he, had, he hit the edible before he had started recording, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> so... As was in that description, uh, each episode, four drag queens, uh, most of the time, uh, at least a pair or some uh, some of the drag queens we've come to know and love from RuPaul's Drag Race, in some case, drag legends, yes. uh, in some cases, I had no idea who those four queens were, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. There was one episode where I think maybe Mary Cherry was from Dragula. But I'm not positive with the big titties smashing the cans. I, I, I think that's who it may have been. But 
Um, but you have such notable names as Benda Legram and the Queen of All Queens, Jinx Monsoon, uh, competing against Jackie Beat and Sherry Vine. Uh, you had BB and Trinity the Tuck. How did they pair them together? That's what I want to know. I have no idea. I can names. <laughs> I, I watched five minutes of that episode and was like, I'm going to move to the next one. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, it was, they competed against Thorgy Thorian, Kiki Ball Change. You had Alexis Mateo and, and Vanjie versus Marty Gold Cummings and Peaches Amon Cummings. Uh, Detox and Raja against Mayhem Miller and Morgan McMichaels. All four of them could have been a team because I know they all go go yeah. back, mm-hmm. back with each other. Um, Alaska and Willem versus Latrice and Manila. So a mom, <laughs> po- uh, a mom, uh, moguls of media throwdown. Uh, and another pairing that was very odd to me, Ginger Minj and Nina West uh, against Darian and Kasha, Mrs. Kasha Davis. I, I can see it. <laughs> like it makes sense. I, I guess. Got, but... like, I mean, from a musical theater background. Yes. Yes. But, but I mean, it, like these were all like were, friends. They weren't. They weren't people like I that I knew were friends or knew each other before the show in any way. And the way that they were kind of interacting, I don't really think they've spent a lot of time together <laughs> before. Uh, Gigi Good and Simone against Jasmine Rice Labasia and Ray Latrey. Um, <laughs> Kimchi and Naomi versus Heidi and Jada. Oh my uh, god, Chelsea. <laughs> So this was the one where I wasn't sure. Chelsea Piers and Salmonilla against Mary Cherry and Pixie Aventura. I don't know. N- none of those names sound familiar to me. I, I recognize um, Pixie Aventura because that's like one of Bob and Monet's friends. They reference them a lot on sibling rivalry a lot. <laughs> and Mary Cherry was on Dracula. I was like, I knew the name sounded familiar, but yeah. And then Bitch Pudding and Meatball uh, against Hecklina and Peaches Christ. In Heckelina's probably final films, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, project so. that that they worked on before before their passing. Um, it's interesting. <laughs> it's a very interesting concept of a show. Um, it doesn't take itself seriously. So you have your your two teams of two queens. You have Murray Hill as the host. David Burka is kind of the person that pops in. You know, the life of the party. David Burka. Uh, got to keep mentioning the name of his book as many times as possible. Maybe somebody will go and buy it. But they are, they're tasked with, here's a theme. They have to come up with a a menu. They have to, quote unquote, cook the food. Because I don't know if I trust any of them to cook anything I'm putting in my mouth. And then um, they have to decorate a room and then put on a, a dinner party with entertainment. From a standpoint of just stupid fun, it fits the bill. Uh, Bianca, as a judger, was fantastic. NPH tries way too hard at all times to, I don't know, either be likable or fit into the mold. And mind you, one of the, I mean, he and David Burke are executive producers on the show. Like they are responsible yeah. for putting the show together. Um, so thank them. I like to thank them for that because at least it's another piece of like drag in the world that's not under the umbrella of Fenton and um, uh, Randy Bar- Fenton Bailey and Randy Barbado from World of Wonder, because most of our drag 
mainstream drag television is World of Wonder produced in some capacity. Yeah. So this was something that was different. It was something that was outside of the drag race world. There was very little mention of drag race at all, even in some of the places where you it really could have been used. Um, I'm a little sad that Darian Lake did not uh, not yell at uh, <laughs> and his little husband. All I had was flashbacks from season six after the, the wedding challenge where Darian goes off about Doogie Hauser and his little husband. I was wishing that she would have done something there, but whatever. Um, but it's, it's stupid fun. It is not something to take seriously. It's not something that you watch and you're like, Oh, why isn't this being judged on like the presentation more? Yeah. This like, it's not Top Chef, it's not Master Chef, mm-hmm. it's not any of those things. It's not chopped. It's yeah. just silly, stupid fun. Uh, Murray Hill is interesting. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know how how else to say it. And then um, Hanifa Wood uh, testing positive for COVID during the <laughs> filming, and then either being green screened in in the weirdest ways later as a baby as like a shrunken person in a uh, a, a circus thing it was very odd it was very odd but i liked it have either of you i eric you said that you got five minutes into one of the episodes but uh, i've watched you, how much uh, have like you watched four, i watched like four or five episodes um and I, w- I was surprised at how entertaining I thought it was, but it was completely based on how entertaining the queens were. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, if it was queens that I really had no interest in watching before the show had existed, like, I didn't enjoy them on their season of Drag Race, I'm probably not going to enjoy them on this episode of TV. Um, but I thought... The format was fun and kitschy. It reminded me of some of the like comedy panel shows in Britain. What they do that they're just kind of yeah. farcical uh, with comedians. Even reminded me of um, like uh, better produced dropout shows, um, where just a lot of improv the whole time, and it's just yeah kind of it's just stupid fun and i like that and i'll say this you all know how i feel about trinity and my feelings for (laughs) trinity are based off of in real life not drag race yeah so that's always gonna be there because it's a it's a, a personal interaction type of thing but i'll say this when they're outside of the scope of a world of wonder production there's a different edit and a different vibe to them so you know, I'm not necessarily saying to you, Eric, but if if somebody out there is like, oh, you know what, I I don't think I'd want to watch this person, eh, give it a shot. Give it a, at least give it a couple of minutes. I think the uh, the Mary Cherry, Pixie Aventura, Salmonella, and the other one I can't remember the name right now. I skipped the entire preparation and went right to the dinner parties. Because I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this episode, but I'm going to skip over all the other, like all the, the improvish type of stuff, because whatever. And I watched the, the dinner parties and was still like, probably could have skipped this entire episode and been okay, but I, I still wanted to like see what what happened. But even Thorgy, Thorgy has grown on me outside of the the 
the drag race sphere. And I thought she was fun and, and, and cute and kitschy, like how she probably is closer to in real life on this show. Mm -hmm. Because hearing Willem and, uh, or hearing Alaska and Willem talk about the, the production of it when they, on Hot Goss, they, they said that, you know, it very, it was very laid back in the kind of production piece of it, in the producers interacting. And they, they let them just like, it's, it, is a little bit closer to reality in this landscape, which which is nice to see because you want to see these queens in more of a real light rather than a forced storyline perspective. And these are one-off yeah. episodes. There's no need to force a narrative or push anything because it, you know it's one episode and that's it. So it was nice to see that. So sometimes you know maybe go in with a, an open mind. I watched the whole Trinity yeah. episode. I still was like, I don't like her. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I watched it. So that's, I call that growth. Yeah. Joel, did you, have you uh, watched some of uh, Drag Me to Dinner? I have not. And um, so like listening to you talk about it, I've kind of been in, interested in asking, you know, how much of the Queens are in each episode? Like the ones that appear in each episode, are they in a large part of it or are they kind of the whole thing? Oh, they're the whole thing. Okay, it's, so the judges are not yeah. like. <laughs> there's there's Imagine, little cutaways, like yeah. one or two minute segments. Okay. throughout the episode that are they're doing a little kitschy stick, shtick. Um, but no, it's mostly the queens. Okay, because I was yeah, like, think, kinda... think about like a uh, like a chop. Like think about like those okay. those kind of shows where they're putting together this. They have to put everything together. Yeah. So they're they're planning the, the the meal. They show them like making the the, the food in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah. They come up with like the 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 concept of the room. They you know, and then so the first half of it is more of like the cooking show. Yeah. And then the second half of it are like these two essentially sketches for the dinner parties. And, like where they bring this this concept to life for team one and then they do team two. And then the judges, you know, talk amongst themselves and then they they crown a winner at the end. So, I mean, it's not like they're only in this little piece of it. Yeah. They are the focus as the contestants of these episodes. So it is very heavy on, you know, the these queens that are competing. Okay. Yeah. I was curious about that because I wasn't sure how much of this was just going to be like Neil Patrick Harris and his husband and some drag queens. <laughs> That's, yeah, no. That was kind of my fear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. No, cool. Sure. I, I'd give it, I'd give it a uh, get through the first five minutes of episode one because there's a little bit longer intro that kind of sets up the show. Yeah. In that first episode. Um, outside of that, which was a little tough to get through, it, 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 it works as just some silly, fun entertainment. It's not a serious show. It doesn't take itself seriously. Yeah. Um, the handy helpers Hulu, are gorgeous. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Hulu and look at the little um, episode like blurbs, yeah, each one ends with best episode so far. They write that on every <laughs> single one, including episode one. I mean, it's it's... Okay. I, I didn't notice that. I, that's, yeah. that's fantastic. I'm going to have to go amazing. back and look at that. <laughs> yeah. And um, and it's funny because at the at the end of episode 10, Murray still says, 
uh, you want, yeah, you want more? It's coming up in just a minute or what? Or like in thirty seconds? It's like, wait, this is the end of the season. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of silly in that where you could literally watch it in any order because, again, these are one-off episodes. Yeah. So you you could start in the middle and then work your way back around, you know, and it it's it all it all works. It all makes sense. Um, but yeah, I I, I recommend it. Um. It's not something you have to pay close attention to. You can kind of put it on, kind of zone out a little bit during pieces of it, and then, you know, it, it's it's just a fun little thing to watch. So yes. I recommend it. Go check it out. Go support queer uh, television programming because, you know, the more that we, we... The more visibility that we have, the more people can see different aspects. And, you know, it's a I, primarily... I don't know if Hanifa um, identifies as part of the, the the queer community, but otherwise, it's pretty much all queer people that are putting the show together and putting it on, and it's great to see that. And uh, for it to be on a platform like Hulu and have this exposure, and you know, be announced in Entertainment Weekly, and and have all of this kind of support for it, it it's I don't think it's going to win awards. But it's it's definitely a great thing to have, and it's 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 a Not lot. Everything of... needs to. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. But it is it is uh, entertaining to watch. So yeah. it's uh, Drag Me to Dinner now airing on Hulu, season one, ten episodes. Um, I, I say give it a shot, check it out, and see if it's for you. And if it is, let us know. If it's not, hey, no worries. There's something else that I'm sure you can find that will tickle your fancy. All right, before we dive into our one-ups, um, don't forget, check us out online, flameonshow.com and patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. We appreciate all the support that you guys have shown us, and uh, we we are uh, glad that you're, still, that you're still here. And if it's your first episode, welcome. We're excited mm-hmm. to have you along for the ride. All right, let's do a quick round of one-ups. Uh, we'll go back around the other way. Eric, I'm going to have you uh, go first. What's your one-up this month? Okay, I have uh, two. The first one is a weird TikTok trend that's based around the Grimace Shake that's released oh God. from McDonald's. Um, Joel seems to be smiling and nodding his head, so he must know what it is. Do you know what this is, Pat? I have no idea. So people oh go and they're... Uh, they're uh, reacting to the Grimace shake. So they're like, hey, I'm trying the Grimace shake. So they'll take a sip and all of a sudden it'll cut to them somehow brutally dead or becoming some sort of weird creature with Grimace shake all over them. Um, And it's just weird and unusual and eerie and TikTok. Um, And that's fun. Um, And my other one up is the episode of Lost Culturistas that was released today, th- their special guest was Kelly Clarkson. Um, and so that was a big moment for both the hosts, Matt and Bowen, um, as super fans. And I love Kelly Clarkson as well. And this was also one of the very few episodes that they actually videoed, and it's on YouTube. And they spent uh, 10, 15 minutes talking about the their shared love of Mariah Carey. Um, and <laughs> so um, I encourage Pat to listen slash watch this episode. Um, and it was just great fun. And Kelly Clarkson's amazing. And I love her. 
Love it. Love it. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned Mariah, and I get all excited. Uh, <laughs> that, that's why I watched, what was it, like the, the Schitt's Creek uh, virtual reunion shortly after lockdown happened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> because like David, I too am obsessed with Mariah Carey. And if Mariah Carey were to pop up in the middle of my Zoom call, I'd probably shit myself. So, I mean, hey. All right. Uh, Joel, what is your one up? So my one up is Dimension 20's Dungeons and Drag Queens, um, which is oh, a yeah. missing right now to yes. record this. <laughs> yes. Um, well, Eric needs to be hosting a watch party because I don't have dropout. So just saying. Uh, well, good news. So this is a new show from Dimension 20. Uh, they borrowed the name from the uh, other show that also has this called Dungeons and Drag Queens. They did ask. They confirmed that online. Uh, but it stars Brennan Lee Mulligan as the Game Master. And the questing queens are Monet Exchange as Troyan, a merfolk assassin. Alaska Thunderfuck as Princess, an orc barbarian. Bob the Drag Queen as Gertrude, a sorceress. And Jujube as Twyla, a fey ranger slash soldier. And it premieres on Dropout TV today, Wednesday, June 28th. And the episodes will air every Wednesday. There will be four in total. And the premiere episode will actually be free on YouTube starting on July 5th. So that is also an option. If you're not sure you want to subscribe, you can watch the first episode on July 5th. Uh, There's a trailer out. It looks hilarious. I'm excited to see these four queens play Dungeons and Dragons. And having uh, Brennan as the Game Master is amazing. I can't wait to see what craziness happens. And as far as I know, none of the queens have played Dungeons and Dragons before. So it's yeah. <laughs> Brennan's gonna have to do a lot of wrangling at the table. Yeah, they're they're in the trailer, he's talking about boons, and Juju B literally goes, What's what's a boon? And he's like, It's like a wish. <laughs> so I, I can't wait to see all the things they have to stop and be like, Okay, you do this now. <laughs> it takes me back to the first dracon nyc i think it was first or second because um i'm not sure if it's the same group but i know that there was a group in new york that was very popular for dungeons and drag queens so i'm not sure if that's the same one that uh um, um, this one is a seattle group yeah ah gotcha okay um so i don't know if it was an, if they're offshoots or what but I, or if they're related but i know that there was a group that put together a panel and it was called Dungeons and Drag Queens at uh, DragCon NYC and Ben de la Creme. And I think a couple of others, I think maybe Bitch Pudding and, and a couple of other people uh, did a short round of or a short game of, of Dungeons and Dragons. And Ben had never played before. And it was quite entertaining <laughs> seeing somebody kind of have that free, like you know not not know how to participate in it and i don't either i've never played dungeons and dragons i i don't really know anything of how things work or what happens um but it was extremely entertaining in that capacity so to see something like this come about where uh you have bob monet alaska and jujube together doing this it's for someone who doesn't participate in dungeons and dragons i am in, interested and intrigued in uh, seeing how this all unfolds as well. So, yeah, for sure. Eric will be hosting some watch parties with <laughs> us so that way we can use his dropout. So, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, that is uh, Dungeons and Drag Queens, a uh, Dimension 20 production on dropout. Uh, when this episode comes out, we're recording on Wednesday. So, uh, it, it's already first episode to be out. 
on Dropout. And then, like Joel said, July 5th, go check it out on YouTube if you want to uh, see it before you buy. Get a little try before you buy action. Mm-hmm. Uh, last but not least, mine. I am going to go to the other side of my drag conversation for this month and talk about she is the queen of the moment. She is the queen of the night. Something, something, something. Queen of the universe. I don't remember the rest of the lyrics. I didn't know it had more lyrics until this season where they sang it 14,000 times. And it was kind of ridiculous. But <laughs> Queen of the Universe is a uh, it's a World of Wonder production uh, on Paramount. Uh, which will be going right back to World of Wonder in just a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And it features a pop pop diva panel of judges hosted uh, by Graham Norton. And then it is the all drag, all singing competition where uh, famously Jujubee was on season one <laughs> for a minute. And then the, she happened she to be is, in the UK versus the world at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, literally it was like, it was filming next door to the UK versus the world. And they said, Jujubee, just go next door real quick. She also we, needed, we needed the, on this. She needed the Infinity Stone for her gauntlet, so she's like, "Let me stop over. I gotta get this one too." And we're good. Thanks, guys. Uh, season one, the pop pop diva panel was Michelle Visage, of course, Trixie Mattel, um, Icon, and Legend Vanessa Williams, and then uh, Leona Ness, or not Leona Ness, Leona uh, Lewis. Lewis. Sorry, uh, I was thinking of the other Leona that I actually like. Leona Lewis. Le- what? I don't like Leona Lewis. I'm sorry. I can keep, like bleeding, keep bleeding love, but mm. whatever. You don't like the uh, theme song for Final Fantasy 13, My Hands? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you say my hands, and I just want to start saying, My hands are small, I know. <laughs> But they are not yours. They are my own. Yeah. Yes. A lot of jewel. Jewel listening party last night. (laughs) Anywho, anywho, I just found out that Jewel uh, re-recorded. Was it Foolish Games as a duet with Kelly Clarkson for her greatest hits album? Did not know that until last night, (laughs) and I kind of love it. Just gonna say. I figured Eric, you might want to. You might appreciate that for the Kelly Clarkson feature on there, but. Yes. Anywho, uh, so Leona Lewis did not come back for season two. They got Mel B from the Spice Girls, you know, Mel B of Spice Girls fame and other things like America's Got Talent. I think she was a judge on at one point, I think for a short time. I don't know. Didn't follow Mel B to G to B's career all yeah. that well, all that, but she joined the pop diva panel. Um, this season of Queens included... Somebody that at least Eric and I know in uh, the form of Giselle. Don't call her Barbie because that's a copyrighted uh, <laughs> uh, word. Royale. <laughs> and um, along with uh, some other people like um, Love Mississi from Drag Race Holland, if I'm not mistaken. Aura Eternal from Drag Race Italy Season 2. Um, Militia Skunt from San Francisco. Uh, uh, along with other queens that I don't remember all their names right now, but hey, and uh, it's a it's a cute show. It, it was fun to watch these queens who are singers 
actually get up there and do a singing competition. It's not, you know, uh, and then there is a, a live audience who vote on who their favorite performers are, were for that episode, that production. And, uh, and then it goes down to, this is where it gets a little dicey. Sometimes it's the pop diva panel just picks one of the two bottom Queens to save. And sometimes they have to perform to like, kind of show why they should stay. So then like, it's like, Oh, maybe get a little bit more consistent on how that bottom two thing works. Um, I also thought that Giselle and Mel B were going to eventually fight because the, um, the, the, that would have been a drag race storyline. That would have been one where it would have just come down to a big blowout. Um, But Giselle, Giselle did Orlando proud. I will say this. I'm not going to spoil any placements. I don't know if anybody's watched, not watched, going to watch. Um, But she did, she did Orlando proud. She sounded fantastic, looked gorgeous. And, um, and did she do the chest what- thing? Yes. <laughs> yes, she did. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The titties, the titties bounced for sure. Um, and also, um, did a song dedicated to Pulse, uh-huh. um, which considering we just passed the anniversary, uh, earlier this month, it, it felt timing wise that, that it was, it, it really hit at the, at, at a, a really right time. Um, however, apparently nobody's watching season two because Paramount Plus canceled it. But not only did they cancel it, they said, we're dropping the last four episodes all at once and we're pulling it from Paramount Plus on June 30th. Yeah. So they said, hey, faggots, go watch your show <laughs> and then we're taking it off the platform. See you later. Um, if you have WoW Presents Plus, though, don't you worry. On July 1st, it now makes its home on Paramount or on WoW Presents Plus. So you can still watch uh, Queen of the Universe Season 2. Season 1 apparently is already there on WoW Presents. Um, so Season 2 will be there, but I don't think it will be coming back for a Season 3. So congrats to the winners for both seasons. Um, and I think it was it was a fun watch. So if you uh, if you're into those kind of competitions, I say give it a shot. Uh, Vanessa Williams is a fucking treasure and an icon, and I adore that woman. Trixie is fun. Michelle is Michelle, and then <laughs> Melby is. Uh, I, I I was joking with uh, my friend Chris who's up here for the month, and I was like, uh, Melby is cursing too much, and that's why they canceled the show. <laughs> but it's she brings TV. Different... Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they can do exactly. that there. <laughs> but she um she she brought a she brought a different energy to the panel and uh, I think she was a good replacement for Leona Lewis and uh I enjoyed it. I think it's a I think it's a fun competition show and uh if you are so inclined to watch reality competitions you're so inclined to watch a singing competition with drag queens go check it out if you haven't and uh if it's at the end of this month and you have Wall Presents Plus go check it out there. Well, I am going to wrap this up with you all. Thank you again, Joel, for joining us on this episode. Uh, we it is always a delight, a treat, and a pleasure to have you as part of our our panel of uh, talking heads. Eric, thank you for joining me. 
Um, at least you showed up for this episode as opposed to the rest of the cast. <laughs> Bitches. They were um, listed anyway, so. <laughs> BJ might. BJ. Oh, no. And Brian, will, Brian will listen to episodes that he's not on, so they'll get to this part and they'll be like, but I was working. And I'll be like, I don't care. <laughs> Still bitches. Yes. Uh, no, but we appreciate you both. Uh, we appreciate all of you listening. Thank you so much for uh, coming back every other week and and listening to us or whenever you're listening to us. We appreciate it. Check out our website, flameonshow.com. Our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. And uh, until next time, dear listeners, bye, bitch. <laughs> bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs> 